Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is Journeys with Jen. I'm Jennifer Griego. Today I am here with two very close friends of mine, Chris Denham and Eddie Corona. Uh, and my dad, of course, he's always here. Yeah, I never make the friend list. No, mm-hmm. he yeah. doesn't. Um, you're just required to be here, my dad. Anyway. Yeah, it's um, called a chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have these guys on here. I've known them for a long time. They um, are the co-founders of OE4A, so I wanted to... Say what that stands for outdoor experience for all uh, i just want to have them on here and talk about that because um outdoor experience for all is a foundation for um like kids with disabilities and things like that which we'll get into a little bit later but it helps to get them outdoors and hunting and they have um helped me a lot get outdoors and um get tags and hunt a lot of animals so hey guys what's up how's it yeah, going good thanks for having us yeah of course yeah, thank you thanks so much for driving in and taking time out of your day and and fitting us fitting us in your busy schedule yeah well, heck, we're going to have to sit here and smell that dinner cooking, too. That, that's going to be Buffalo a bit torture. Burgers. We're going to hurry up. Yeah, that's for you guys. we got that all ready to go. Oh, yeah, it it's was the only reason I'm here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for the food. Yeah. It, was, it was funny. Today in class, someone brought up hunting buffalo, and um, and they asked if it was still legal to hunt buffalo, and I was like, yeah, it is. Like, I hunt them. And we were talking about it, and then right as we were talking about it, my mom texts me, and she goes, by the way, we're having buffalo burgers tonight for dinner. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> my mom Did you show it to me. your friend? Well, we were in the whole class. We were talking, so I told my teacher, "I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm having buffalo burgers for dinner." Right after he said buffalo burgers are so good, I got the text. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Should bring him a pack of buffalo burger. Well, oh, well, yeah, maybe I will. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like them that much. <laughs> Depends on where you're <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's only been two days, so we'll see. But um, yeah, okay. So kind of like I mentioned, um, we this is kind of about OE4A outdoor experience for all. Um, so just kind of real briefly, what is like the mission for OE4A? Well, actually, tell us about the founding. I'll take this one because I know he'll talk more about the, the mission. Okay. Um, it really got started. I was working with uh, Hunt of a Lifetime, mm. um, and, uh, which was you know a great organization. And we had a, a hunt in, up in 6A and elk hunt in November, and we had three kids coming on this hunt. So it was going to be turned into this big camp. And Eddie at the time was with uh, – I just got to know Eddie, that's, which is a really long story and, and decrepit. But uh, <laughs> but I knew He's Eddie so was good at putting on big camps <clears throat> and, and cooking. And I knew we were going to have like 20, 25 people. We were going to have Thanksgiving dinner up there. Oh, wow. So I asked Eddie. He was with uh, Chandler Rod and Gun at the time. I said, would you guys basically take you know all the cooking, bring up your trailer, and take care of all the cooking and, and camp stuff? And he's like, sure. So we did. We had three kids, uh, one of which was Thomas Widenhofer. And so it, it was a great hunt, but the thing that Eddie and I realized right off the bat was how with Hunt of a Lifetime, they get one hunt. I mean, that's oh, it. Yeah. They get, that's their wish. It's kind of like make a wish. They get mm. one. And oh, it's basically for the, the child that's sick and one, one parent, sometimes two, but basically the rest of the family isn't really invited. They're, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're not part of this dream now uh, that these kids are going to have. And so we and we looked and we saw what was happening in these families and we're like, man, there's the siblings, the parents. I mean, this is this these type of illnesses affect the entire family and mm-hmm. and affect the entire family in totally different ways than than necessarily the the uh, affected kid. So that's when we decided to start basically start our own organization so that we didn't have to follow those rules and we could uh, so we could bring the whole family and plus we felt like it was really important for it to be local. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're Arizona based, even though we do have kids from Utah and stuff now that are close by, but we wanted to be local so that we could do, uh, more things that would involve the entire family. Yeah. And so that was really kind of what got us started. And 
course, Thomas Widenhofer was one of our first kids on the uh, uh, on that elk hunt. And then the next year, was it the next year? Next year we were incorporated, ready to go, mm-hmm. and, and somebody donated an antelope tag, and we had Thomas come at, back out. Uh, was he in Pennsylvania? Was Pennsylvania, he? yeah, in Butler, Pennsylvania. And How, What was his affiliation that – how did you guys get affiliated with him from Pennsylvania? He drew a on tag a in there? Yeah, he was here the year before on oh, the I'm sorry. Lifetime okay, hunt. Okay, yeah. Was, okay. yeah. yeah. And Pay it's attention. Just a, <laughs> I was. I was trying to – He was looking, at, he was <laughs> looking for a soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, Thomas and his family are great, just a great family. It was a great way to start. And uh, right. so we hadn't, we hadn't put the word out. So we didn't have kids from Arizona yet. Mm. We had one tag. <laughs> so that was it. That was our whole start. Uh-huh. And so we had a great hunt. And then, uh, and then after that, we, we started getting the program rolling and got a lot more kids. Who, who donated, like, the first, <coughs> the first tag? How did they, um, how did they like, kind of hear about OE4A to donate that first tag? Oh, the oh, first I'm, tag? Oh, Goose. that was Goose's tag, yeah. Oh, so. So, go oh. ahead. You oh, we're going to have Eddie's walk-up music? Okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the band of war. All my friends. Hello, no rider. Whatever. And for all you listening, Eddie did pull up in a silver 300, so it just yeah, makes sense. Of course. <laughs> Playing some salsa music. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Goose was one of the one of the guys who helped us out in the first hunt with Hunt of a Lifetime, and when uh, when we thought we could make a bigger impact with local kids versus doing and bringing them from out of state, mm-hmm. um, and we decided to go forward with it. And uh, Goose was was drew a five five B North uh, antelope tag, and so we donated it, and we put it all together, and we all stayed at his house. It was quite an effort of trying to put everything together and Thomas being our guinea pig since we knew the family we liked him mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the way it happened there what year was this 2008 okay so that was in September 2008 when that happened um, Chris and I started talking about putting to put an outdoor experience for all together it was uh, March of 2008 and wow. you know so it all it, it happened pretty fast mm. and you know at the same time we thought we knew what the hell we were doing, but, you know, just like anything else, you just trial and error and keep moving forward and don't look back and mm-hmm. keep going and pushing and pushing. And here we are, 2019, you know, and I've, I would never thought that we'd get this far. Yeah. Of course, I can be honest and say that I never thought back then when we started it that I never looked at 2019. I never looked at 2018 or 2016 because mm-hmm. it wasn't important. What was important is trying to figure out what we can do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that first buck. I mean, you talk about you're looking for signs that because at the time where we didn't know what kind of need there really was, we just knew we just felt there was a need, and how we would be successful. And you're you know you're kind of looking for signs. Well, that first antelope hunt, first morning we out, we literally have three trucks of people. <laughs> There's like 14 people on this for hunt. one hunter. For one hunter, yeah. Oh and Five B North is the plains. I mean, there's nothing out there taller than than a 33 inch tire and uh so dad couldn't see anything like he wouldn't be able to he'd have to climb on the roof which is what we were <laughs> this is where i was up on the roof of my truck yeah i knew it would take jennifer a long time to start slashing <laughs> me here so. but yeah we we where are your parents jennifer i don't know <laughs> anyways you have three so trucks full of people three trucks full of people and i'm up on the roof of my truck to, and see this antelope and i'm looking around thinking there is nothing to hide behind i don't know how we're gonna there's a really nice buck out there and I'm like, what the heck? How are we going to do this today? We hadn't thought that part through. Was it uh, archery or rifle? <laughs> rifle. 
And uh, as soon as I start thinking that, I look, and the buck's probably, I mean, close to a mile out. I'm a long ways, way past 1,000 oh. yards. And the buck starts, like, trotting, half trotting our direction. <laughs> He's getting closer and getting closer. And finally, we're like, damn, we got to do something. So literally, like, eight people went over about just over a little, maybe 200 yards from the trucks. And that buck literally ran right up to us, stopped at maybe, what, 100 yards? Yeah. Stood oh there broadside, and Thomas shot him. I mean, it was wow. an 84-inch buck, 85-inch buck. Big Dang. buck. Yeah, it was a big buck, yeah. God's yeah, like, like uh, God's going, I'm going to give you guys a little gift right here. Yeah. That, uh, this is a sign that you're, you're on the right track, guys. <laughs> that's <laughs> so. awesome. Wow, that's crazy. Um, kind of like before we really get into <laughs> OE4A, um, how did you guys get to get into hunting? Someone can go first. Well, go uh, first. from um, my side, my grandfather, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he started a Club de los Lobos, a shooting club in Mexico at a ranch down there called Rancho La Bellotosa, which is our family ranch. And mm-hmm. uh, Where is that? We're in Mexico. And, and Flexing his Spanish yeah. over here. Rolling Mars. Anyway, so so we shot, you know, and... I just grew up with it all the mm-hmm. time, and I didn't know any. I didn't know it didn't exist in every other family. Yeah. And uh, once, uh, once I got old enough, I started going hunting with my stepfather, and then I, uh, you know, football started, and that's during hunt season. Yeah. And uh, so that didn't take place, and after I got done with college, I got back into it. Wow. In fact, I bought my first firearm where Chris used to be, down in Jensen's in Tucson. Oh. Cool. Yeah, and, and it's funny because. Wait, so what did you hunt with before? Just just borrowed family rifles. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, Cartel. Weapons. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> a, a thirty forty Craig lever action. It really? kicked like a mule. That thing was just hurt. Yeah. I still mm-hmm. hate shooting that gun. <laughs> Chris, Chris, and I we have kind of a history too because when Carol was in medical school, he was in medical school with. Um, Chris's fiance, Carla, at the time you guys got married, oh, I think yeah. during medical school. Right, we right? got married right before she got accepted to medical school. Yeah. Okay, so you guys were already married. Right. But and but I thought, didn't she change her name during medical school? I thought what was her maiden name? Freeman. I thought that I I thought oh. that we referred somebody must have known her before. I don't know that Carol knew her before, but I remember her name got changed to Denim and, right. and we're like, who's well, this, all of her applications were under Denim Freeman. Guys. Yeah, because we didn't get we didn't get married till like three months before she got accepted. So maybe that's why, because some of the paperwork it was like, oh, her name is Denim now. I'm like, who's this Chris Denim guy? <laughs> and actually, I wasn't even hunting. I didn't start hunting until my junior year of medical school. Bob Rimza, if you know Bob, right. he was my hunting mentor and idol and stuff, and got me into that. Yeah. And, it was funny because you were like the grown-up. You had a job. You had an income. You know, we were all like these <laughs> peon medical students yeah. and stuff without any And all the medical income. students. I worked at Jensen's in Tucson at the time, and all the medical students would, that my wife knew said, yeah, go see my wife he'll, or my husband. He'll help you out with, you know, a gun, you know, at Jensen's. Yeah. So, yeah, half of the U of A medical school was over there at Jensen's at one point or another. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So how did you get into hunting? It, it's funny. I, I, for me, I think I'm I proof that there must be some kind of gene that mm-hmm. says you're going to be a hunter. You're programmed to be that because I did not grow up in a hunting family at all. Yeah. Uh, there was a neighbor across the street that was into hunting and he, uh, and I just, I, I just, everything he touched, he had a, he had a bow, he had a recurve bow. There weren't mm-hmm. any compounds that didn't even exist at the time. And he would shoot in the backyard and I just, I'd love to go watch him shoot. And so I'm, I'm like seven years old at this point, eight mm-hmm. years, seven years old. And he made a deal with me. He was building an addition onto the house. He said, if you come over and pick up all the nails and sweep every day, it, when we're done, I'll buy you a bow. So I did. I was over there every day sweeping and picking up nails. Nice. And, and then 
at the end, you might remember, remember the old S&H green stamp stores yeah, yeah, and yeah. gold bond stamp stores? Yeah. When yeah. you'd go to the grocery store back then, instead of getting a long list of coupons like you get now, you'd get stamps, depending on how much money you spent. And then you put them in a book, you'd put them into the book, and there'd be a fulfillment store there. So you, well, you got enough stamps, you could go in there and buy something out of that store. They'd tell you how many stamps. books it took for each prize. Right. right? So, so it's kind of like an arcade game. It, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, it's, the, the well, it's foosball. Like, it's like building points today. Yeah, but like Everybody, building points. Yeah, like yeah, bonus points. Yeah, have the, the rewards cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. The back there is reward stamps. Yeah. And I got a little one of those little fiberglass recurve bows. Um, you know, with uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I still had that bow. You know, it was a little fiberglass recurve bow, and I used to just chase lizards in the desert, and mm-hmm. and that's all I've ever wanted to do is hunt. And so, all growing up, I was always having to find people that uh, that I could hunt with. And then I get what I got stupid lucky in is there was a family in southern Arizona, the Glenn family, who are some of the most famous lion hunters literally in in the United States, and they were guides for coos deer, and they had two ranches outside of Douglas. So Cody Glenn, which was the son, Cody and I became best friends in in seventh grade. So I got to hang out with them and then go hunting with them. And and so, you know, it just fed the passion. And, you know, I went, again, my dad liked to shoot birds, but, again, not a hunting family. And it's all I've ever wanted to do, and it's what I've spent my – pretty much my entire life doing so that's awesome and my my family wasn't a hunting family either my grandfather really? hunted my dad never hunted i didn't i didn't start hunting until medical school you know yeah. we'd go oh we chase squirrels and stuff yeah and carol was the last thing i hunted, <laughs> hunted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah poor carol she lost she she was bagged on that deal <laughs> but yeah. now did your mom did she live in the same house did you grow up in the house that your mom lives in now because we've parked vehicles there before when we hunted with jay no when i was growing up we lived just on the outside of town more closer to town uh, oh, okay. but now she has a place outside of town that yeah every if you ever coos deer hunter you probably parked your car between dan bishop and cola blanca and jay scott and they all parked their their hunters cars at my mom's place there and and uh <laughs> so awesome. a lot of hunters know my mom yeah and she knows more coos deer hunters than i do i think at this point my well, David and Timmy have a lot of friends that like want to get into hunting, but they just in like, high don't, school, yeah, mm-hmm. that just don't have like family that do it. And so, um, like some of my friends, they joke around like, Jen, how do you think I do hunting? I'm like, well, honestly, you probably couldn't handle it that well, <laughs> but um, they're like, they'd still, I'm like, I would take you hunting. They're like, yeah, no, I probably wouldn't handle it that well. Why I'm wouldn't like, they handle it well just because of the outdoor stuff and the exertion? Oh, well, the killing of the animal part. I'm yeah. Like you'd probably cry. Well, if they shot like you did for a period, they wouldn't have to worry about that. It's such a <laughs> wow! You get to, to experience the recoil, but <laughs> but you don't have to mess with the dead animal at the end. I'm like I'm like I'll take you with That's me, right. but I don't know if you could do the killing. Right. But why, don't, why don't you tell the story about the stock that Eddie went on with us for the antelope? We got that antelope tag through Outdoor Experience for All in Unit Ten, and you were I think ten years oh. old. And this was after she won a she won a uh, I pink. I wasn't ten. I was like about twelve or something. Because that was that was right when my like bad. Okay, that's started. right. Because you'd already shot several things. Yeah, but, so that's probably like. But she won a um, a black and pink uh, girls Weatherby rifle at the sheep banquet, and I had uh, the gunsmith mount the scope and put a do a trigger job on it, and then we took it up to Greer and we were, I was having her shoot it to sight it in, and um, we were shooting in a cinder pit and. It was 200 yards away, and I'd already shot it, so I knew it was on, but I was having her practice with it. It was a little bit of an incline, and she was laying prone, and she got scoped 
pretty mm. hard in that deal. <laughs> and she'd yeah. been, she got hit with the scope. It wasn't as bad. Like when I got my, when I shot my first deer, I got cut. I got scope cut. But I didn't care because I shot a deer. Right. It was my first deer and I was like, oh my gosh. And I was so excited. But then when I got hit that time, it was the first time I had gotten hit. Like without, it was the second time I got hit, but I, there was no animal. It was just at the range. It wasn't as bad as the first time, but I was like traumatized from that. And then I had my antelope. Oh, hang on. When you, when she got hit with a scope, when she shot her deer. Oh yeah. It was epic because we had Chad Smith, (laughs) myself, Carol, Jennifer, David, Timmy, and Chad's son Colton on the stock. And Blake Chapman was behind the radio watching this deer and we snuck in. It was like this centipede stock you know right. for 10 people or eight people whatever it was and we get in close and i have the gun set up on the tripod with a, a gun claw it's called then now a triclops and i'm getting jennifer set up on it well i first looked over at her she's got her eyeball up against the scope <laughs> and it's my like, left eye too and i'm right i don't want it i think it was your, excited. no it was my eye. left eye because i had the scar i, I had know that one was but when you were looking at it and i saw you do it i said honey you can't do that it's going to kick you you can't do it like that. You need to make sure that you put your, you know, put the butt of the rifle against your armpit and look down the, the rifle. But the deer kept moving. So I keep moving this contraption around and we're hunting, we're shuttling kids out of the way. And finally the deer, <laughs> it was not the smartest animal in the world. I mean, there are all these people in the bushes and it just kind of fed around. There were, I think, three bucks there. And, and finally gives us a shot. And I make sure the gun's on it. And I say, Jennifer, go ahead. You're good to go. Take him. She shoots and that deer just pancake just one shot high shoulder done didn't breathe was done i go to give her a hug and she's got blood running down the corner of her eyebrow down into her eye she's got a huge goose egg Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my gosh babe are you okay (laughs) i'm so sorry are you okay and she she looks at the deer and she goes that was awesome (laughs) she goes this really hurts points to her eyebrow but she goes that was awesome And yeah. uh, she and didn't care. She's like, Dad, no. do, you hope, do you think I'll get a big scar? Yeah, I, hope I came I get back. I was like, I want a scar. My mom's like, you better not get a scar. And I was like, I want a scar. Like, I want people to know that I shot my first deer. And this is what I got right from there. But <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't get a scar. But as you know, it's a different deal when you at the range. I think it's right. harder when you have all the time in the world to squeeze the trigger. The recoil becomes a real concern, as opposed to the hunting situation where you have adrenaline. You're focused on yeah. the animal downrange. When you when you're shooting a paper and you get hit. He gets flinchy, and she was flinchy for years a couple of years. Really? Yeah, I but didn't like kill anything for a while. I was just like traumatized. That's yeah. not true. You, well, you missed a couple things, but the back to the stock with Eddie, you had the well, animal nothing tag. compared to the beginning, but yeah. But do you remember this? Ron was videotaping. That. Yeah, you and Ron were back at the truck, and my dad and I were up. Oh, we with. did a couple stocks, and one of them didn't work out. Remember, we had that great. Yeah, big, we had the mirror. We had the mirror, <laughs> the ghost blind. We were walking behind, and it actually was working pretty well. But some other guys came in on us. They yeah. came in and ran off the antelope. Yep. And then so Jennifer and I used a Montana decoy, and we're walking towards this mm-hmm. buck, and he's got like twelve or fifteen does or something, and we we're walking through the wide open, covering like four or five hundred yards to get close to him. It was like two hundred. <laughs> no, it was no, it was a long way we walked to get to there. We get set up 200 yards from him. Right. And uh, <laughs> I've got her behind the gun. And I, after she got scoped, I took the um, rifle in and I, no, you actually, I, did it. I moved the scope forward because mm-hmm. I was getting scoped with it too. It was a youth rifle, so it didn't fit me because I'm so big. Oh, yeah. But, Jeez. Uh, but there wasn't enough butt there uh, on the butt stock to keep the scope away from your right. face. Yeah. Anyway, but I get her set up on the antelope. She's just letting us get set up on it. And she's behind the trigger. I go ahead, babe. Take Do it. Do I get to tell this part of the story? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Well, so I was so scared it was going to kick me. So I'm, this is what, and this is what I did for a while after it too. I would, I sat there behind the gun and I just put the crosshairs behind the shoulder and I just pulled, I was holding the trigger. I'm like, go off sometime. I was like, whenever it goes off, it's going to go off. But I'm like praying it goes off. And so he's walking around feeding and I'm just moving with him, holding the trigger. I'm like, hopefully this gun will go off sometime and shoot him. And finally it did. It went off forever. Like, for a long time for a couple well, minutes but there, I was doing that there were a couple interventions there I'm like babe you need to shoot him he's leaving he, you're like it's going to kick me I'm like I promise you it's not going to kick you <laughs> but all I was it's doing was like holding it down hoping it would go I'm off I'm holding it down and it took her like a minute and a half and, and Ron was videoing it and, and right and when he goes come on Jen shoot him I shot like it finally went off and she panned he was on the antelope for so long and he pans over like what the heck are they doing <laughs> and then he pans back and goes come on shoot him and she shoots and he just collapses do. didn't take a step but then we go up to him we're like where did i hit him like blood's coming out of his mouth but okay like maybe i shot him through the lungs we couldn't find an entrance yeah, or I thought an exit you hit him perfect because he, he just dropped but then afterwards like, we're watching the video we're like where did i hit him but then my dad was skinning him out and i shot him straight through the mouth oh, like didn't yeah. chip a tooth or anything went straight through the mouth cut his like tongue in half and it like hit the brain stem and he died but it didn't yeah. blow out the back it was right yeah. underneath the skull or underneath the skin in the back of the skull no kidding yeah. And it was I like go, right when he right when he opened his mouth and busted because I didn't cut any like I didn't break yeah, any he teeth. He was chewing. That's went, pretty lethal. Yeah. <laughs> it's it lethal shot meat, placement. You know? Yeah, that's what she said. That's Ruined how I landed. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't want to ruin any meat. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, kind of when you were saying that story, kind of made me think of a question to ask. Um, so when you get kids out for OE4, I do any like do some of them have like never shot a gun before, and then if that is like the case, do you have to kind of like teach them before you go out and like when you're sighting in rifles or something, or have they all mostly like shot a gun before? Go for it, Ed. No, sometimes we do get kids who have never even touched a firearm, mm. and so we have to take them out to the range and and uh, uh, you know we used to. And before go out there and pick out a 30 out six or something to go out there and shoot it, the kids hated it. So now I have a couple of pellet guns and a 22 and try to build up to it, build mm. the confidence that it's going to feel a little more like a kick and what have not. But we definitely go out to the range with them. At that point, if they still have uh, uh, some anxiety towards putting the firearm on their shoulder, then mm. we have uh, we use tripods. Um, the triclops put, put put it on there, put the gun on it, so it can take some, more more of the of the kick away and just building that confidence and extremely important to do, to, to do that. Uh, but yeah, sometimes we do have them and sometimes we don't, but you know, yeah. And one thing we do, like I do when I have one of the kids out, cause as you've learned, mm-hmm. shooting position is really important. Yeah. Getting the gun placed properly, being able to find your target mm-hmm. not have all that panic happening. You and know, like to be able to move and find it if the animal find moves. it again through the scope. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time, as I'm glassing, I'll set the kids up and say, okay, see that white rock, find it in the scope mm-hmm. and just have them just do that for hours, you know, until they get, start getting ridiculously bored with me, mm-hmm. but get them, you know, set up in a good shooting position and try to show them how to get, make sure their shoulders in the right position. And, and it, it doesn't do kids are smart. They pick up on that stuff pretty yeah. quick. If mm-hmm. they're, if by the time they're out there, they're pretty engaged too. Cause they're, a lot of them, they're, they're pretty nervous. You know, they're out mm-hmm. on this hunt with all these, you know, all these men and, you know, these other guys. And, and it, well, there's the kids back at camp and they all want to, they all want to do it right. Yeah. So yeah. It can be a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. For yeah, sure. Especially when everyone's out there watching you shoot sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Jennifer yeah. sleeps through most of that. But that is true. Some people would be <laughs> um, I've noticed that on, on some of your Instagram stuff that there's a lot of Jennifer sleeping oh, yeah. things going on. You know, it's not a rare occasion, <laughs> I will say the least. Um, She's an narcoleptic hunter. Basically. Uh, but so like to get rid of my flinching, I had to do a lot of dry firing. Mm-hmm. Do you, like when you have the kids set up on a white rock, do you have them dry fire? Yeah. At it? Yep. We figured, you know, they say dry firing is not good for guns, but it's not, it's not that big a deal. It's just yeah. not, especially if we're not going to keep a bow. it for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Really a little hard on the bows, but yeah, <laughs> that's right. We, I got some of those snap caps that I put in there yeah. for the kids and I, I haven't shoot. I think Jennifer probably did a thousand rounds of dry firing right. yeah. and I'd sit there and just put as much pressure as I could with her, with the video camera he going, go, go, us. go, get, you know, get on it. And I'd take the, when they were using the triclops, I put a pellet gun on there and point the gun the wrong direction and have them spin it around, get on the target, and and shoot the balloon, shoot a balloon into uh, in front of an archery target with a pellet gun. There you go. And yeah. just put them under pressure to do it. It was very helpful for them. We should get some snap caps and have those for so we pretty much down to six shooting six fives for the most part. We have yeah. a few other calories. Six for, fives are good. Yeah, for for just about anybody shooting the game we shoot with kids, six five would mm-hmm. do just about mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the other things my dad did, which I hate so much, but he figured wow. it was a Is this an intervention idea. again? No, it was <laughs> like we would go out when we were actually shooting the gun. He wouldn't tell me if he put a live round in or if he put like oh, a shell yeah. in. And I hated it because I, I was scared. I'm like, if, the, if it's a live round, then I'm going to like flinch. And if it, was, if it wasn't, then I would flinch either way. So I was like very anxious about that. And I hate when you do that. It makes me so mad. Yeah. Because I don't know. So then, like, he puts it in, and I have to listen so quietly. Like, I have to listen so intently to, like, hear if it echoes or not. But then you figure it out that you just put it in slower, and I can't hear a noise. But you did that a lot, and I hated it. Well, but that was only when you were struggling. You don't have that issue anymore no, with the I dry firing. I'm sorry, with the flinching. So but, hey, it's a very effective thing. If you want to see if someone's flinching, mm-hmm. you put an empty brass in the chamber, and you're going to see. Yep. That was something else that took me, like, a minute to pull the trigger. I was like, I hated it. Um, well, you got... I solved your problem for you. You're welcome. You did. Gracias. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, the first thing I shot after the whole flinching thing was my was my ram. So yeah, it worked off pretty well. Yeah, yeah. 400 yards, great shot. Yeah, it's crazy. I never shot that far before that. You did when you shot the steel. Oh yeah, but like never at an animal. No, it just turned out that's we practiced at 400, and your opportunity was at 400. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, back to like the OE4A kids. You kind of said that they're most of them are from Arizona, and we do like some hunts and call. We do with the Melodies in Colorado. Um, Shout out to the Melody family. Yes, great people. Um, so do you? And you said you have some kids from Utah and stuff. So for those kids, did they just kind of hear about it from other people in Arizona, from like other hunters and stuff? And do you like do any like advertising or anything? Is it kind of just by like word of mouth or whatever? No, I think uh, when we first started trying to have the funds to advertise and we didn't know exactly how we we're going to do it other than word of mouth uh and uh having the ability to go do a lot of the different shows with uh the outdoorsmen yeah so before we used to uh, try to figure out how we're going to get the word out um mm-hmm. and that's really before social media really took off all right yeah I mean, we didn't we didn't it was, it was all word of mouth and, and trying to get that done um uh, of course, when you have a good idea, you go to the Phoenix Children's Hospital or the yeah. hospital for the kids, and you tell them what you want to do, and you ask them, okay, well, can you give me a list of kids? And they say no. Mm-hmm. You're like, what do you mean no? Well, we're doing a great thing. We understand that, but the answer is no. It's because of the HIPAA laws. Right. They, can't, they can't share that information. Mm-hmm. Well, everything we did was about you know getting names of the kids, and we didn't have access to them anymore. 
And so what do you do? You volunteer at the camps. Mm-hmm. So that's where we got started. And, uh, and then uh, Chris's uh, Western Hunter really started taking off and you started writing stories about it. And that really, you know, that really took off like a, mm-hmm. just great reviews. A lot of people following us that way, uh, building our, our reach um, and what we're doing. Uh, so that that's pretty much the way it is now. It's just word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, volunteering, uh, some of the stuff that separates us from other organizations is like, you know, recently, just uh, two weeks ago, I was at the Cardinals Children's Medical Center uh, Cancer Survival Day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the only hunting or call it conservation organization that does that, that, that separates us from everyone else that mm-hmm. we do that. And, you know, our goal is to, just get them to know us and it's like going out on a date it's going to take a couple of times for us to be able to get those parents to open up a little more and a little more and mm-hmm. uh this year we were able to get you know four kids and one wounded warrior so it turns out one of the fathers yeah. qualified for what we do as well Oh wow! so that was pretty cool um and uh you know so we always looking for different opportunities where we can promote our what we're doing and also make a difference mm-hmm. um uh, arizona disabled sports they recently had their um uh, their track and field trials out here and also archery. So John Schramm, one of our board of directors, is the archery coach there. So then we go volunteer with them and just give out our information. Um, so there's a, there's a, so many different ways of making it happen uh, to uh, to get the word out. But we get a lot of kids. Kids from Utah found us at the Western Conservation and Hunting Expo. Did you guys have a booth there, or you just no? They just people people know you about it. Yeah, they start. Yeah, they just start coming up and talking, and pretty soon you're putting together a deal. You know, yeah. But you're doing the outdoorsman's stuff Mm -hmm. there, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm doing Western Hunter stuff there, right? Yeah. But if we see uh, a kid like Tate Davis, yeah, remember Tate? Tate? Remember Tate? Yeah. Yeah. Tate's from uh, St. George, Utah. Oh. So we're there at the show, and and Tate's rolling around his wheelchair, and I look at him going, "Well, if he's here at a hunting." expo he's got to be a hunter mm-hmm. right so i went up and introduced myself to him and asked him where's your mom or dad well they're over there okay, let's go mm-hmm. so i made him you know go introduce me to his mom and dad and uh so sure enough you know that's the way that one happened uh and then because of tape we've been able to do more kids out of utah but maybe we've had kids all the way from maine come out how oh, they really? find us i have no clue mm-hmm. you know uh, maine north carolina ohio well, if you do a Google Louisiana. search now or a search online yeah. for, you know, kids hunting or for right. organizations yeah. for sick kids or, you know, challenge kids or whatever, I'm sure that you guys, I don't know how many there are nationally, but. It's uh, it's not as big a number as we, we thought, I think, it, but because of, I feel like we're reaching them good. But just to back up a little bit for the listeners, you may not know, in Arizona, as most people know they're listening to this podcast, I'm sure we, we you have to draw a tag to hunt in Arizona, but. Uh, back in 08, we got a law through the state legislature that allowed what they call the benevolent transfer clause. Mm. So if you weren't going to be able to go on your hunt, you could donate your tag. And the way it was written at the time, it was a uh, terminal diagnosis, right? It had to be a terminal diagnosis had to be attached to uh, mm. it at some point. And uh, so people could donate their tags to us. And at the time, Game and Fish estimated that 5% of all tags don't get used, you know, between you know, babies being born and, you know, just people getting hurt or, you know, things happen. Right. Uh, and now, of course, we have the point guard thing in Arizona. So you can donate, if you buy the point guard, you can donate your tag and, and still so get your bonus points. points. 
that's, so that's, that's how, how we come to all those tags, guys, right? Yeah, it's it's probably doubled or tripled the number of tags available. Well, the quality of the permit we're getting is different yeah. uh, versus like last year because of the the, the drought. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had thirty nine early archery bull tags. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I think twenty three South has like maybe eight hunts. We had over fifty percent of the tags for that hunt. Wow. And there's guys from out of state that they are buying the point guard uh, just because you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very happy that the uh, Arizona Game and Fish Department, you know, decided to to make that happen um, uh, from back in 2009 is actually when it was introduced. Uh, but the point guard portion have definitely increased our quality of the permit. Yeah. Uh, because... Uh, I mean, having that many early archery bull tags was crazy, just absolutely crazy. I, I, I was trying to find hunters left and right, mm-hmm. borrowing crossbows if they qualify, getting champ permits filled mm-hmm. out, getting crossbow permits filled out, mm-hmm. and you know, having them sent to me, going to gaming fish department, getting those champ permits, sending them out. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Very re- rewarding to get those guys out, and mm-hmm. and also our kids. Yeah, yeah and and props to you, Eddie. You know, I hear a lot of things about working with you and getting the paperwork done and getting the mm-hmm. transfers made. And you do a lot. You do a lot with Game yeah. of Fish. You do a lot of running around to meet up with people and get the tags transferred. I'm sure it's a lot of work. But you have a very good reputation for facilitating that, having your paperwork ready so it's easy. J- Jacoby, when we talked to him about the Buffalo tag, uh-huh. he was like, oh, I love working with Eddie. He's always got everything ready to go. And, yeah. you know, it's, it makes it great for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that, But you can see why for... For people, if they've been applying to Arizona for 15 years and they draw a tag in a year that the antler growth is going to be bad and they get a mulligan, why not give your tag right. away? And then yeah. you get a chance to you get next time you draw, you have to hunt it, but it gives you that chance. And it's been great for Jennifer and, you know, the mm. kids and the wounded warriors and stuff to benefit from OE4A. Yeah, awesome. I always tell the story about your buddy from uh, Kellisbell, Montana. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Dirk? Dirk yeah. Eddie? Love Dirk Eddie. And he called me up, and he has a 23 South, I think it was 23 South, uh, yeah. archery bull tag last year. And so he goes, well, I'm not going to mail it. I'm going to fly down there so I can <laughs> give you the tag myself. It, but, you know, the value of the points, and some of the guys are asking me, you know, when you look from an out-of-stater, and they have 22 bonus points, let's call it 24, one's for hunter education, and the other one's for uh, the loyalty point. Right. You're looking at $160, Mm-hmm. You know, times twenty times. That's over three thousand dollars plus another fifteen bucks for the bonus point deal on it. Right. You know, so five dollars buying your point guard has a lot of value behind it when you start looking yeah, doing does. the numbers. Yeah. And uh, people don't realize it because guy goes, "Oh, it's only five bucks." I'm like, "No, it's not. You got You got to look at the whole value behind it." And uh, I think last year really, really opened it up. Uh, and twenty, uh, what was the first year that we did point guard? This is, I think, year 14, four. Yeah, 14, yeah. 2014, Houseville 2303 when introduced us when they did the, yeah. be able to transfer tags to disabled veterans. Uh, oh, yeah, for the disabled yeah. veterans, yeah. That was that one. That was in 2014, right. January, and then we did uh, the point guard deal in uh, June when I got myself in trouble a little bit. Right. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Statue the, the, limitations. Yeah, <laughs> it's over. So now in uh, 2015, they only had like maybe four or five thousand people actually buy point guard. Oh wow! You know, out of the hundred some thousand people that actually yeah. apply, 
And last year, it really took off. And this year, they're anticipating bigger, bigger changes. Um, there's some other stuff, you know, that uh, talking to the director over there, because we have so many different permits coming to mm -hmm. us. Uh, most recently, we had a uh, meeting with the Game and Fish Department, all the different organizations. And, uh, uh, you know, we had 341 permits given to us last year. Wow. And, that, and that's not the record. Oh, it isn't? No, that's Dang. not the record. What's the record? 482. Wow. wow, what year was that? Uh, I think it was 2015. Yeah. What happened that year? 20, 2014. Well, someone else was in office, but anyway. But <laughs> 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 it's all Obama's fault. <laughs> Why not? Anyway, so. <laughs> no, he, it wasn't his fault. But I'd, I'd forget what year it was. It was right in there. We had tw uh, 482 tags. It was crazy the way it was going. Uh, with how many tags we received and, and trying to get those permits into the hands of uh, qualified hunters, mm. you know, makes it difficult. The cool thing we, that makes us different from other organizations is the fact that it's not a one-time wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What, why are we doing this? And when Chris and I sat down way at the beginning, we asked ourselves the same question. Why are we doing this? Are we doing it for ourselves to pat ourselves on the back? Or are we doing it to make a difference? Yeah. Um, the reality is, you know, uh, we're doing it to make a difference, so why not just give you as many hunts as we possibly can? And just because you applied one time doesn't mean you can't do it two, three, or four, or five, or six times. Mm -hmm. And if we have the permits available, you know, why not do it? Last year, I did get a phone call uh, from a, a fellow who's questioned how many tags they were getting. I'm like, why? He goes, well, they, they, don't, they shouldn't get more than one. He was talking about wounded warriors. They shouldn't get more than one a year. I said, well, how many tags do you apply for? Mm -hmm. He goes, all of them. I said, so you just get one tag a year? He goes, I take it back, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, which yeah. is true. I mean, why, why are we doing it? There's only, a, a, especially the kids, only get it to do it between the age of 10 and under 18. Mm -hmm. And if we want to develop uh, more kids in the outdoors and, and uh, kids hunting, we got to give them that opportunity, especially with, uh, uh, with the type of kids we take out. You know, not all the kids uh, uh look normal such as yourself you know you yeah. have you have the stuff you got to battle but with the kids with the cancer or, or prosthetic mm -hmm. they're a little more obvious obviously uh when they're losing their hair and what have not mm -hmm. you know sometimes giving them hope and including like chris said the siblings to come join us yeah and that makes it huge yeah i, I mean, kind of have like a question so for kids who are why 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 do you laugh about that? Well, is it kind of like have a question like teenage like, like I kind of like, like have like a question ish. Fine, I have a question. There we there go. You go. There we go. Save five minutes on the podcast. <laughs> you cause the five minutes. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so for so okay, I'm a wee bit confused. Okay, I don't know it's kind of like a question. Stop it! I will turn off or your mic. Or is it a statement? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm confused by it. Let me, got to give me a second how to word it. So kids in OA4A have to have um, life-threatening illnesses and things like that to get in. Is that just for OA4A? What are the restrictions to give someone a tag? Like, can you give it to anyone or do they have to have certain qualifications well, or whatever? Well, in Arizona, uh, it's the, you know, for a child who's been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness or a child with a permanent disability, mm -hmm. the definition of permanent disability for these use is the use of a mechanical device or another person for physical mobility. Okay. For the disabled veteran, it's uh, someone who served our country while serving our country. They were injured. 
mm-hmm. and the injury left them with the use of a mechanical device or another person for physical mobility. So those are the qualifi- qualifications for Arizona. New Mexico, which we are we're also over there now, has a little different. It's kind of, which I love New Mexico for this because it, it expanded what we can do with our siblings. Mm-hmm. So New Mexico, tags get donated back to the department. Mm-hmm. The department's got a list of uh, qualified organizations. We're one of them. And they go down the list. Whatever tag you get, here you go. And you got to make it happen. So if it's, uh, I can transfer permits to a resident retired or currently serving in law enforcement, first responders, or military. Okay. Or any kid. Oh. Between the age of 12 and under 18. So they don't have to have any type of restriction, oh, just wow. a youth. So okay. what does that do for us that we can only transfer tags to, let's say you, mm-hmm. Jennifer, and how do we include your brother or your other brother? Mm-hmm. We can go through New Mexico or okay. apply them like we do here in Arizona. Oh, wow. And so that's, that was our last year was our first year, and we did quite a few over there. And uh, So it's, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. For um, I know it's like CJ and Liz and Emma. They Their dad was in law enforcement, right? Mm-hmm. So – can they get tags in Arizona too or just New Mexico or do they qualify for Arizona tags for the tag transfer? They do not qualify. Okay. But our mission statement, when Chris and I started doing our, you know, our first, it was just child children who were diagnosed with a life threatening illness. Mm-hmm. And that's because the benevolent transfer clause, we only knew that part of it. We didn't know there was a second part of it, which is children with a disability and the use of a mechanical device portion of it. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, let's take a look at that. Why not expand our, our reach of kids from just the life-threatening side to also the, the dis- disabled side? And then we're like, all right, well, what is, you know, let's start doing fallen heroes. And we're like, what, what are, what's the definition of a fallen hero? Because it has changed. Mm-hmm. Where it used to be, uh, you know, fallen hero was uh, for military and they, they were killed in action or, or what happened out when they were serving. But with uh, with the current uh, wars that we've had, we've had a lot of fallen heroes who are now disabled as well. So, mm-hmm. and what is a fallen hero? Is it only military? Or is it law enforcement? And Chris and I would go, you know, would sit down and trying to figure out ways to really expand the reach of what we're trying to accomplish. And, and the more we, the more, the more we sat in front of each other, the more reasons we found that we can make it bigger and bigger and bigger and reach out more kids. Uh, but the fallen heroes also include law enforcement, first responders, and military, not only those who have lost a life in the line of duty, but those who have also become disabled. Uh, the Siegfried, uh, Carl Siegfried, the father, mm-hmm. uh, detective up in the uh, Prescott area, uh, was injured doing an arrest and uh, left them, they medically retired him because he could no longer trust his leg to be in place. It always continued to shatter. Okay. So, you know, again, medically retired. He can't take his kids out on a hunt without... We, she did one time and it shattered oh, wow. walking up in unit 10. <clears throat> so they cannot uh, qualify for the benevolent transfer clause. So we also applied them mm-hmm. for the hunt. So CJ's graduated last year. You yeah. know, he had his last hunt was in New Mexico for an antelope. Um, Liz still hunts with us as a volunteer. She volunteers. Uh, Emma is, we put her in for a 36B, I'm sorry, 6A youth tag. And a 36B youth uh, tag. Hopefully, she'll draw one of those two this year. Oh. She's still in it. But she only does draw tags. Okay. I see. Um, 
my other question is for Listen people. Listen to how direct that was. She's yeah. evolving so quickly she on this show. So During it's this podcast. It's unbelievable. It's like watching her grow from, we haven't grown, but still, <laughs> just amazing. The only reason I said I have like a question was because I was confused and it took me a minute to get it out. My brain is a little slow sometimes. Oh, that's not true, Jen. It's always slow. It <laughs> <laughs> was so Love slow. you, Jen. It's slower. Anyway, so my other question is, how do people donate their tags? You kind of said in New Mexico, they kind of give you the tag. So do they donate it back to like the Game and Fish or do they donate it to the foundation or can they do both? It's a great question. Thank you. Same. I appreciate that. It's here. <laughs> and Eddie has a great answer. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> I, uh, in, in New Mexico, it goes back to the, to the department and they have a list. They, they, okay. they control that. In Arizona, with a benevolent or with a point guard, you have two options. If you mm -hmm. purchase point guard, you could either surrender your permit back to the Game and Fish Department and they issue your points back, or you can donate it to a nonprofit and we submit the paperwork to issue your points back. Plus, you get a tax donation receipt. Mm -hmm. So it's a benefit, especially if you're not a stater, to get it to an organization uh, that participates in the benevolent transfer clause. Um, if you give it back to the state, the state itself or state of Arizona, Game and Fish, is going to, if, if they have enough time, they're going to reissue that tag to the next person in line mm -hmm. and sell it again. Okay. Um, what we do is, uh, you know, we try to use every single permit. If we can't find someone within our circle of, of uh, donor or uh, participants, then we, we have a relationship with other organizations. We call them up. It's like, well, do you have this? What do you have? It's almost mm -hmm. like trading like baseball cards. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost like trading baseball cards. What do you have? What are you looking for this? Well, I'm looking for this. What do you need? Where's mm -hmm. your camp? So yeah. that's what we do with other organizations. And, um, and it makes it so much easier mm -hmm. for you to, you know, to take those permits and know that you, at least you're going to try to solicit it somewhere else and get them used. Mm -hmm. and you always let the, the people know that donate them. This is, mm -hmm. this is the process. This is what we're going to do. When somebody no donates something and they're donating and especially when it comes to a hunt, it's such a such an emotional decision not to go on a hunt because like yeah. damn, right? You know, and, and I ask those people to donate their permits why they're not, why they're donated. And there's a lot of different reasons, mm -hmm. whether they're donated because someone passed away and that's their permit, mm -hmm. uh, having a kid, um, job changes, job changes, work. moving out of state, you know, mm -hmm. divorce, new job, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's so many different reasons why. Yeah. You know, um, and I was I was curious to know why would somebody not want to go on a hunt? Mm -hmm. yeah, I've actually talked people out of donating their tag. Yeah. I had a guy call me up wanted to donate so, yeah. a sheep tag. And I'm yeah. like, Whoa. what do you want to donate a sheep tag for? And he goes, well, you guys just have a wonderful organization. And, and you know, I've been trying to draw this tag my whole life. I finally did, and I just feel really good about donating the sheep tag. And I'm like, dude, no way. You've been waiting your whole life to go hunt the sheep. Go hunt the sheep. Our kids don't need to go on a sheep hunt to experience mm -hmm. what they need to experience from a hunt. Mm -hmm. I mean, a javelina hunt to a 12 year old is awesome. Yeah. Plus it's, yep. it's from, it's obviously a lot easier to take a kid on a javelina hunt and ensure that he's going to have a good time. He's going to have shot opportunities, probably going to kill something. You're going to have multiple chances to find animals. Whereas a sheep hunt is, you know, it's a one and done, yeah. you know, it can be a 10 day deal and mm -hmm. you know, it's, so yeah, we'll actually talk people out of it sometimes because if we, especially if we, there's no tag we need. Mm -hmm. There's tags we'd like to have. I mean, I love taking kids on an early rifle bull hunt in unit ten. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of fun, but but uh, yeah, we get a lot of tags. Tag. Yeah, 
Like, <laughs> if you put in your whole life for a sheep tag, right? you'd want to go on the yeah. hunt. Yeah. Although with point guard, you know, sometimes if they if it's just not the right year, and sometimes right. people, unfortunately, when it takes you 30 years to draw a tag, you might not be, you might need a knee replacement or have some other issues mm-hmm. from mobility that you'll be better off the next year, and you could take the benefit of the point guard and donate it. But we are right. Gonna, if we're going to get more sheep tags pretty soon here. I yeah. have a feeling that I think we're going to get more and more because you're absolutely right. I mean, how many guys out there, I think what's 29 is the max right now. Uh, is it it's 29 or 30? So, I mean, there's guys who've been playing for 28 <coughs> years. So some guy started playing when he was 40, you know, mm-hmm. he's 68 years old and he's still good 10 years away from drawing a tag. Maybe. I mean, yeah, there's going to be more and more 70 plus year old, you know, guys that are drawing tags that kind of second guess whether they should be going on a hunt or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they may not think about the logistics in the unit they're going to, right. and talk to the outfitter, and it's like, well, you know, best case scenario, we're still we're still hiking five plus miles yeah. a day in steep country. It's not yeah. a gimme. And yeah, there's yeah. you know what Chris talked about donating, talking to a guy out from <coughs> donating a sheep tag, and 2014 we had a guy called up, and I he hit the mother load of tags he had a unit nine early rifle bolt he had an antelope tag wow. he had a kaibab deer tag and a sheep tag down in super belts like that. i was like one in ten thousand chance you know hundred thousand and so he he don't wanted to donate all the tags because he'd have a knee replacement oh mm-hmm. man and i was like no no when does that happen he goes it's going to happen here at the end of august and i'm not going to be ready for the antelope of this. And I said, well, let's talk. I'll take the first two because you're not going to be ready for the early rifle bull tag and the antelope tag, which is fine. Then uh, I said, we'll talk in November, you know, uh, late October, early November about your kaibab tag. And then, you know, your sheep tag starts in December. Oh, yeah. So during that whole process, I also sent them the application for the champ permit, champ like champion challenge challenge hunter access mobility permit which it's amazing how many times i've sent it out instead of sending out our tag transfer affidavit uh to a mm. lot of guys who have injuries that that's like try to get a champ permit i mean champ permit is pretty cool because your doctor decides whether you qualify or not it's not up to you as an individual yet you, you get your medical doctor to sign off on it mm-hmm. it's you know they're putting their name behind it um so anyway so i talked him into getting his his champ permit and he gave us his kaibab tag. He went on a sheep hunt. He called me from the mountain crying, thanking me for hmm. forcing him to go do the sheep hunt. That's and that was awesome. pretty cool. I, I, you know, so both, I've never met the man, both crying on the phone, trying, <laughs> you know, because I was so happy for him, so proud That's of him. So and, awesome. and, and so there's, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens because of this organization. Uh, mm-hmm. You meet a lot of great people. Uh, uh, being anal like I am, I always try to figure stuff out. And, I was having an issue with trying to figure, well, how did this happen so you can duplicate it? And uh, I think it was Carla that told me she calls that a God thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, man, I use that a lot. There's a lot of God things happening. This, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's easier for me to just go, it's a God thing. Move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're, not, you're not going to figure it out. Right. Yeah. yeah. So just move on and smile and say thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it Absolutely. happens a lot to us. Which is pretty darn cool. And you're talking about thanking people that donate stuff. And, you know, we've talked about him before. Carl, Carl's Custom Meats up in Camp Verde. Oh, yeah. He's been a great guy. He was very generous to Jennifer. And I was like, I'm not dropping the meat off here for you to do something for her. I want to, you know, just hire you for your services, for your processing and stuff. I'd heard good things. And and kind of the God thing also is like, I've been very blessed in my life. And I've had some very important religious experiences. And I want to help kids that... uh, you know, or inspiring to me and out there doing the right thing and stuff. So 
shout out to him. And if anybody needs some excellent custom meat processing, he does a great job. Yeah, Camp Verde really Carl's Custom Meats and, you know, wraps everything in cellophane, lasts a long time in the freezer. Does a great job with his sausage and his jerky and his jalapeno sticks and custom processing, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had a lot of great. I got a text from Matt Amos the other day. Oh, I love and Matt. Yeah, Matt killed a buffalo with us last year, year, year and a half ago now. Uh-huh. And uh, he wanted Clay Goldman at Mogion Taxidermy's contact information because he got a, uh, just got a note from him saying, hey, you know, I've got your buffalo done, no charge. Um, oh, my gosh. And so I just nice. need to know where to ship it. Wow. And then, just took care of it. I, I, and I, my buffalo mount's a big deal. Oh, yeah. 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 They That's, are a big deal. They're I mean, big just the mannequin stuff. alone probably cost him six, $700. Probably. You know, right. so all this time in it. And That's and awesome. Mike Miller out at Southwest Processing, Southwest Processing you know, takes care of us. And, yeah, we've been we've, we've been blessed with a lot of, of companies in the industry that have stood up yeah. and, and helped you us know, out. So like it over in Camp Verde Cottonwood. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, having a processor and a... And a Taxidermist there, by the way, they're brothers. Oh, oh, who's who's the taxidermist? Uh, I forget his name. Huh? In Can- in Cottonwood, Camberry? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's Eric. Huh? Anyway, so and then up in Flagstaff, uh, Bix, Bix, yeah, uh, Bix uh, Meat Processing. Here in the Valley, we have uh, Southwest Processing, uh, Miller Southwest Processing. Trying to build relationships with people. There's another one over in um, Safford, another one in Tucson, of trying to build those relationships with those with those folks as well. But they've all been very well. They take care of us. The people in the hunting community are amazing. Yeah. I mean, when you go, especially like going through my Grand Slam journey and like with your with you guys, it's they're amazing people and mm-hmm. people that you would never come across any other way. Yeah. And the things they do, and the, especially for kids like me and kids in OA4A and Wounded Warriors, they're just so kind to them and it's yeah. so great to see and <clears throat> especially like as someone who like is on the receiving end of it it's so like heartwarming to see that and it's unbelievable because you never expect someone to do that you never ask for it you right. just kind of tell them sometimes your story ends up coming out and they're like whoa here's this and it's right. like that's so amazing and it's so kind of them to do especially like you never want to ask for it and then they do it and you're like wait i don't want to accept it and you're trying and like compensate them for what they did but they're just so loving and willing to give that yeah. and it's a god thing mm-hmm. yep. yeah, yeah two of the most generous guys are across the table from us jen yes, the guys are. set up with this organization how it's impacted so many people it's been phenomenal mm-hmm. and i know you guys take pride in it and stuff and it's got to be heartwarming but you've impacted a lot of people you look at jennifer she's you know a lot of her self-esteem and her accomplishments and stuff have come come from her experiences in the outdoors and pushing herself pushing her lungs and things beyond what she used to think was capable. And yeah. a lot of it comes from, you know, getting a call from Eddie. Well, get off your butt and go on this hunt. You know, yes. what are you going to do? <laughs> or, or Chris introducing you and, um, you know, helping raise money at the, the banquets and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And Eddie telling me to give a speech at the banquet. Yeah. 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 But there's so many, um, it, it, one of the ones I love is like at our, just at our recent fundraiser, kids like Kelly minor. Yeah. Kelly was, a uh, leukemia, right? Yeah, and I mean, we did 41 blood transfusions. Yeah, we did Whoa. blood drives for wow. with her, and more than I don't know how many times we had to take her to the hospital from the field. She'd Whoa. just get out there and try getting it out and try to go, and then we did have to end up taking her to the hospital with one infection after another. But anyways, now she's uh, she's graduated. 
went to school, went to college. She's an RN, and now she's a, a floor nurse at Phoenix Children's oh, Hospital, really? the same yeah. hospital she was treated at. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so you know, man, she definitely says those those hunts where Ron Moore drug her through yeah. hell and back. <laughs> and, and they uh, teach you a lot about made her yourself. tough. Yeah, yeah, made her tough. You know, For and now sure. she's on on the floor, hand, you know, helping kids out just like she was when she was twelve. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, there's there's so many different things. Like Chris said, triggered something and reminded me of, you know, what separates us, and what makes us a special organization is the fact that um, when a child goes through an illness, the the family dynamics is as soon as they find out the kid gets diagnosed, it just goes to it goes to crap because mm-hmm. you don't know what the norm is anymore. You don't know mm-hmm. what the you know what's going to happen, so they're trying to figure it out. Uh, and then, you know, especially with cancer where, you know, they tell the parents, you know, you can take the kid home, but make sure we you, doesn't have any germs or nothing like that. Cause as soon as you get a little sniffle or temperature goes up, you got to bring them back in because mm-hmm. it's not the cancer that kills them. It's their, their, um, immunosuppression. You're right. Exactly. And so, I mean, I'm not, and this is what I see as a, mm-hmm. as a guy looking in, uh, where a lot of our parents, and I would be guilty of this even even as I tell you this today, if I had a child and had cancer tomorrow, I'd do exactly what every parent does, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though if I know it. It's just because, you know, it's, you're going to go into that auto, auto mode. Mm-hmm. You know, so they surround themselves with, uh, with the barrier around the kid yeah. because they got to protect it, just like any, any parent would. Right. You know, so, and, and they're constantly looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around, trying to make sure that that child has all the protection it needs. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's our job to break it. Yeah. To to kick the fence down, to kick the barrier down, allow the child to blossom and allow the parent to relax. Mm-hmm. And so when we have hunts, like we have the squirrel hunt or we do the, the junior elk hunt up in 6A at Mormon Lake Lodge because they give us the campgrounds, it's psychologically the parents are driving through asphalt all the way there. Right. The only piece <laughs> of dirt they have is when they get into the campground. And go about 50 yards to the right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, mentally, and there's bathrooms and showers, and there's a gas station, and there's a, you know, mm-hmm. the facilities that they, they, they call normal. Yeah. In their world. So when they're there, they're like, oh, this isn't too bad. Yeah. You know, but they don't know what's going to take place next. So here we go. We're going to hike it into the quiet area and, and go hunt and, and bring the kids and go do that. And so uh, that's another thing that, when Chris and I sat down is trying to figure out ways that we're going to be able to do more. What, what else can we do while we have the parent and the kid there? Mm-hmm. That's going to be, a, have a positive long lasting effect for the family. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd be lying to you if I told you we didn't have a, we didn't have an effect on us. Yeah. You know, because there were many times where at least for me, I'd be driving home from a camp. You know, you were so proud of yourself that you did so well with the kids and the kids were laughing and having a great time. And, the feedback was awesome. The part that was terrible is when I started thinking about they're going to go back to their regular life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back to struggling, back to fighting whatever illness they were fighting. And I felt terrible. I just felt terrible. It took all my joy away because I was going back to my life as well, which is pretty nice. Right. Compared to theirs, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So that definitely had an impact on... Um, on me as an individual, uh, trying to make a bigger impact and and sucking it up and say, okay, well, you know, it's, you know, how 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 do you choose? What do you do? What do you, all kinds of different stuff goes through your mind, 
trying to justify your life versus them because you start comparing and it's terrible. Yeah. And you get into that trick bag of your own head yeah. and you're like, oh man, I got to break it somehow. You know, so it, it's a challenge, but it's rewarding. It's one of those things though, Eddie, that you, you, you brought it up and I'm not sure that your, I think your perception may not be what reality is. That if you're, so you're going home and you're thinking, God, it sucks they're going back to their, their regular life and all their problems and stuff like that. And you get to go back to your, your good life. But I don't think that's the tr- the truth. I think that they do change. And it's not just that they have meat in the freezer and something in the taxidermist. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to do with confidence, what yeah. they achieve, that they own. They have now have a memory. They've got relationships. They have a different relationship with God or an understanding of the outdoors or confidence they never had before. And that's something that they go home with. They're not going back the same way. Most of the time, I think that for my kids, <clears throat> watching those guys grow up in the outdoors, after every hunt, they were changed. They were mm-hmm. they had a bounce in their step. They they would tell their friends, "Well, I can do this. I can do that," because they own it. You know, right. they have yeah. an accomplishment that no one can take away. Yeah, yeah. I think and that's a tremendous thing. It's like you change that trajectory just a yeah. little bit. Their life was going here, and you change it just five degrees. Yeah. Ten years from now, it, that's a big impact when they're yeah, like, true. you know, they just just change that little bit that trajectory just a little bit. Yeah, they come back. They have the memories. Very ballistically they have the stories. Uh, yeah. discussed. Like yes. I figured there's a hunters listen out there. They get that. <laughs> right. They get that. Yeah, I mean, you come Dial, back. Turn the turret. That's you right. have the stories. You have the memories. You're changed forever, even if it's a little bit. Sometimes it's more. I know, mm-hmm. um, obviously, I grew up hunting, um, but my first sheep hunt had a lasting impact on me, and it changed me forever. And Why do you think that was so much more important than the other ones? Because it was. More significant, I should say. Because the other ones were kind of just like in my backyard and they were kind of like, let's go drive and hop out of the truck and go get that elk real quick. Not like literally, but like it wasn't as much work and it wasn't as much effort and it wasn't as mentally challenging as my sheep hunt was. And I went in, like, I grew up thinking this is impossible. I'm too sick for this. Mm -hmm. But I went in, like, screw it. Like, life is short. Let's go. And I went after it trained hard for it, worked harder than I ever have. And I was able to accomplish it. And I was like, what was I thinking? Like I was just sitting there in my room watching Netflix, not putting any effort in. And when I put effort in, I was able to accomplish something that I thought was the impossible. And I think a lot of the kids, they're sick and that's their mindset. And as like one of those kids, you go in with the mindset of I'm a sick kid. I'm viewed as a sick kid. I'm treated as a sick kid. And you go out there, sure, like you're still treated as someone who needs a little more help. But especially when you're joking around with everyone, yeah. you're, you don't feel like a sick kid anymore. Right. And then you come back, you're like, I don't feel as sick as I was. And you go out there, you forget about everything. And you're also like, you're not sitting at home thinking about everything you have to do. You're out there like, let's go with the elk, let's go with the deer. You're not thinking about these are the meds I have to do. You're not thinking about this is the pain I am in. You're having fun. You're out there with everyone else, even people who like don't know how you usually are. And so a lot of times on my hunt, especially, I don't want them to think of me as a sick kid. And especially on my last sheep hunt, when I beat Lincoln back to camp, I was the first one back in camp. I was like, you never would think I'm a sick kid. And you wouldn't treat me as one going into the, we would take more breaks. And then I came back and the guy was like, what are you doing? Like we could have taken so many less breaks, but, and one of the, also one of the things that even when I'm hiking with my, with my family, I don't want them to know I'm the sick kid. They're my family. They obviously know they see me every day, but I hate taking breaks if no one else is taking a break. (laughs) And I'm the person who will, I mean, when I'm with my dad, 
Um, sometimes like I'll take a break before he will. And then once I do that though, and he's ahead of me, I take way too many breaks than I need to because I'm just like, screw it. I'm mad. I'm way behind him. Like this sucks. But with my family on one of the hunts, on one of the hikes, like my training hikes, I'll never forget this. We hiked a mile and a half and I didn't take one break because I was with my brothers. I was a little bit behind them, but I was still with them and I was ahead of my parents. And so we went a mile and a half. I was feeling good. I was like, all right, cool. Then we went another mile and a half and my brothers did not stop. And this was at elevation. Right? Yeah. This is we a Mount Baldy. So we were, Ooh, yeah. that had gone from here and we're up at 9,000 feet going up to 11. Yeah. And Carol and I were like, well, look at the little badass over there. She's yeah. giving up with her brothers and she doesn't want to concede that she can't do it. Yeah. Right. And I also do think that once you've accomplished something like when you got your first sheep and your brothers were like, oh, Miss Big Sheep Hunter, you can't keep up with me. You're like, bull crap, I can't keep yeah. up with you. You know, I, I'm going to prove that I have, it wasn't a fluke, I've achieved this, this is my new baseline and this is where I am. Yeah, but I went another mile and a half and I died because I refused to stop. I was like, I'm going to go over here. I lost my brothers, I couldn't even see them anymore. You guys were cranking them. But I was like, when they fast, stop, huh? I'll stop. But they didn't stop because they had no clue that that was my mentality of it. And then my parents caught up to me. I had to go behind a tree and cough for like five minutes because I just couldn't catch my breath because I pushed myself so hard. So I think a lot of that, and I want to hike the Grand Canyon. And I definitely want to talk to you about that because you've done rim to rim to rim. But I needed, when my friends go with me, I need to tell them like, you need to take breaks with me because if you don't stop, I won't stop and I will push myself too hard. And so I know that's like my mentality of it is I don't want to be portrayed as the sick kid. Right. I want to be like you guys. I want to have fun and I want to not act like I'm the one who needs all the breaks. And a lot of kids, when they go out there, they don't seem sick. And so, cause you don't view them as the sick kids. You're like, they're the hunter. They want right. to have fun. They want to go hunt. So I think it takes them out of the element of being the sick kid. And it puts them in element of being hunter, being someone else and having a new environment to be like, okay, you don't see me as someone who needs help and who is always sick. You see me as someone who's just kind of here for fun. Mm-hmm. So I think that also helps them to not always view themselves as a sick kid anymore and to help them have a better view of, I'm not always going to be sick. Maybe if they are, they're not always going to feel it anymore. And so their mentality changes, even if you don't always see that. And I know that's happened to me and I'm sure that's happened to so many kids you guys have worked with. Some serious wisdom there. Yeah. Where'd you get that from? She didn't even say like, or I kind of think I might have a thought. You know, she just told her story. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny that you say that because, and that's when we get an opportunity to separate the parents from the child. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if we get a chance to take that kid up on their own, whole different kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we come back and tell the parent in front of the child, all the stuff you told me he or she couldn't do, uh, they did. They <laughs> yeah. Did. Just right. to let you know they're, you know, mm-hmm. putting the blinders on you. They said they can do it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. That thing, that's a great story. Thank you. Great, yeah. great, great way to put and it. I've never, like, told anyone because I'm like, I don't want everyone to know, like, that's, like, I don't want to stop. But, like, when kids, like, obviously I have a good platform to do that, and this is that's this podcast. But I definitely want kids, like, kids, if you're listening, or anyone, if you're listening and you – view yourself as someone who's disabled or a sick kid and you view yourself that way, you have to get out of your comfort zone, put yourself and don't let people view you that way. I know because like in your head, you know, you're not that sick kid and you know, you're not always going to be like that. So you just have to change your mentality of it and push yourself beyond what you think you can do. And sometimes you push yourself too hard. Like I did. I pushed myself too hard and I got, had a cough and I had to make up for it. But, yeah, I but knew, it was five minutes. Yeah. And, then you were and I again. recovered. And then I chased after my brothers and we hiked like and 10 by miles the way, when you, when you did cough and you, 
almost threw up and all that stuff, you coughed up a lot of bad mucus. I mean, yeah. you pushed yourself hard, but it wasn't too hard. You know, yeah. you wound up being better for that. I do think that your statement, Jennifer, and what we're talking about here, for parents that don't hunt and the kids that think, I want to do something in the outdoors, like their uncle or their grandfather or their friend or whatever, but the parents are out of the comfort zone doing it because they don't know about killing animals and they don't know if that's what they want to do. What, what we're talking about here is a lot more than killing the animal. And that's yeah. really the vast majority of every hunt is killing the, the preparation. Killing the animals a split second mm-hmm. exactly. of the hunt. <clears throat> the mental part of it, the achievement, the time outdoors, the friendships, the experiences, the nature, the, the weather. There's so much that people get out of that that you can't find anywhere else. Right. Yeah. It's humbling what, what you get out of the outdoor experiences. And, you know, I, I like your story about pulling up to the camp up at Mormon Lake and everything's paved and the parents feel like, oh, this is okay. This is clean. We'll be okay here. And then they get, the kids get into the wilderness anyway and they may or may not see that part of it, but it's a good way to kind of package it for them. Mm -hmm. But it's important for people to think about the options of getting their kids who have issues in the outdoors, even if they never hunted before. Even if it's a squirrel hunting trip or a fishing trip or a camping trip or something, just to get out there and learn what they can do, you know. What, what the, the real boundaries are. Yeah, well, one of the kids we got this year from Cardin's Children's Medical Center Survival, Cancer Survival Day does not hunt. <clears throat> she loves taking pictures. I said, we need a photographer. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, I, you know, getting yeah. into the outdoors yeah. is our goal. The fact that we hunt is because okay. of the benevolent transfer clause. You know, a, a youth can can ask us, can we go fishing? Can we go I hunting? Say, can we go like boating? Can we do... Whatever, it's up to them to ask us what kind of uh, kind of event we, yeah. we, we want to put together for them. Um, also, like, it's outdoor experience, you right. know. It's not, the hunting isn't in the name at all. You know, you I mean, go, that you was have, a idea. You have the experiences in the outdoors. And so, whether right. or not you don't want to go hunting, it's the outdoor experiences that change you. Right. In my opinion, obviously, like, when you sit at home and you go maybe to the mall, you go whatever, it, it's what you usually do. It's nothing significant. And I think... Getting out there and changing, going out of your comfort zone is what helps you change. You have to change your mindset and do something that you wouldn't expect yourself to do and just kind of get out there and push yourself. That's our, our slogan is changing lives one adventure at a time. Yeah. So I think we need to play that up a little bit more. We kind of lost sight of that. Well, one. you know, changing lives one adventure at a time. What does that mean? How do we get to it? Um, we were sitting at El Rancho Market, <laughs> and, and which you know, is a grocery. It's a Hispanic grocery store, like grocery store restaurant. in Chandler. Yeah, that's that where you took us to go you, get food. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you took him there. Yeah, he goes. Yeah, yeah. We were like, "Where do you want to get lunch?" He goes, "Well, do you want real Mexican food or do you want you know Mexican food?" Yeah. And he was like, "All right, we're going to the store." And it was like a grocery store. Grocery store. Right. Nobody speaks English. It was in good the though. Place. I had cactus pork or whatever. It was yeah, good. yeah, it was good. So we were at El Rancho Market. It was Chris, myself, his son Mark, and his daughter Courtney. And Courtney was, and still is, way smarter than all of us put together. <laughs> that this, group. This was back before we started, so she was like maybe a f- sophomore in high school. Something like school. that. Yeah. You know, we didn't know anything about social media. Social media was taking off. We're like, uh, Chris, what the hell do we do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and she was just full of ideas. I'm like, all right. And, uh, you know, our legal name is The Outdoor Experience, Inc. Let me start off with that first. All right. And we're sitting at SEI in Vegas. You, myself, Floyd Green, wow. and Terry Howell. And Floyd's giving me crap about just Ooh. outdoor experiencing. He's called it all kinds of different names. We're trying to come up with a different, a different title for our organization, doing a DBA, and we came out with the Outdoor Experience for All. And it had also had 
the OE4A portion of it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And now we're trying to find a slogan, and uh, we're there at the El Rancho Market, and and Courtney is just asking a gazillion questions, and she's coming up with stuff in her head. And, you know, when she asked about the experience, is the experience only for the kid? I'm like, well, no, it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, and then she comes up and she goes, well, you're changing lives for everybody. Yeah. The next thing she says, how about changing lives one adventure at a time? And then I just looked at her like, whoa, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. We've been working for years, trying to, or not years, but a long probably time. a year, tried a long yeah. time to try to come up with a slogan. And she just like, boom, spits it out. That's awesome. Yeah. It must have been all the piñatas that were hanging out there, <laughs> you know, at the, at the restaurant there. But. But that's how we came out, and, and what, what does that mean? Outdoor, you know, saving, uh, changing lives one adventure at a time is the fact that not only are we are trying to make an impact on the life of uh, the, the child and the family, but also on ourselves. Mm. You know, because I can tell you, I go home now, and and my wife Karen, she's just she's awesome. You know, she she okay. just uh, I get I get to be a different person. It's definitely made me a way better better husband a better person for myself or everyone else around me uh because of what the kids have taught me mm -hmm. because of what the wounded warriors have taught me mm -hmm. you know and uh, uh feeling sorry for yourself is not an option no, no. Right? you know and even even as one of the kids on the hunt you learn from the other kids with you you learn from the warriors and each like no kid is the same no condition is the same and not every like you can't see mine. Mine's not a visible condition. I'll hunt with kids in wheelchairs, kids with prosthetics, kids who, like, have maybe, maybe like, like, scars that you can see. And so it's, you can meet everyone and you see all the different disabilities and learn how you share so many things. Right. Uh, a lot of them, same mentalities that you have. And it's fun to be able to spend time with those kids and get to, like, make, have, make new friendships with even, like, the parents and stuff. But, like the kids we learn a lot from each other even though we all like are sick and have disabilities but we still learn a lot from each other and especially the warriors the warriors have taught me a lot for sure and i spend a lot more time with the warriors than i do with some of the oe4a kids but um i definitely have learned a lot from each of those and each of their different experiences from what they've gone through in their lives yeah that's what we do that one camp we do it's a coos deer hunt that's a youth hunt only down in 36b and we have big campground set up there and we'll have Gosh, five, six, seven kids, eight kids at sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. And the kids just have a freaking ball. They all get to know each other. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty soon we're just, you know, Klingons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Cleaning up after them. Yeah. We're always trying to get them to jump in. They're just being kids. And I'm like, man, we're just going to let them be kids right now <laughs> around mm -hmm. the campfire. When they go hunting, they got to step up and yeah. act like more like adults. But, well, I don't know. I don't know if they act like adults or we just yeah. you know, go back we to acting like kids. Yeah, we go back to acting like kids. <laughs> they have to act like adults. Yeah, that's we, awesome. That's a pretty cool camp. Uh, we do, uh, you know, where each child in the camp and each parent that's with them, and we pick up teams and we got to do skits. Uh -huh. Campfire skits. Campfire skits. Yeah, so, and Chris and I and whoever else is on our team, it's, you know, we, we'll pick other volunteers. We always have to do the first one. And uh, we got we to lead by example. So, good thing that... The, the lighting's not very good, so the cell phone videos suck, <laughs> which is good. That's good. Which is good. Because you guys doing that Rockettes thing kind of freaks me out with the, <laughs> oh, the stockings Lord. and the high heels. I've yeah. seen pictures of Eddie. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. That was a red lipstick. I <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's pretty cool. Uh, 
uh, doing what we do, uh, you know, retiring from the auto industry for, um, back in 08 and having opportunities to be called back. You know, I, I got to give uh, a shout out to my wife because, you know, when you get an opportunity to go back or being asked, hey, we want you to come back and work and do this and do that. And, you know, it's it's extremely difficult. I never thought I'd say this, but it's you can't put a price on what you get back, mm -hmm. you know, and in return of what we're doing without their experience for all. It's it's more than money in the bank, and but we're all volunteers, so that's not it. Mm -hmm. But you just can't put a price on it, and you do it for a passion, you do it for a love, because you're making a difference not only in them but also in yourself. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. awesome. It's a it's it's a cool deal. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. such a cool deal. Um, I'm sad. I only have like a couple more months before, like for months. But then out. I get to hang out with you guys. You guys so. turn when do you turn 18? October 17th. Oh goodness. So yeah, hoping. but then you can go help other kids. Yeah. Oh, that would be so much fun. Then so you I'm become one of our graduates. So oh, I'm totally. hoping. It, well, she needs. She needs to. She, we need to get her three tags this year. Yeah. Because. That's not uh, We need to get a bison. My, I want her to get the Big Ten. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, so she's it, got. She'll do with Floyd. She'll hunt for lions with Floyd in November. Oh. Um, but you'll be that's that's already through the White Mountain Apache. We bought that at the right. the conservation Arizona uh, Sportsman for Wildlife deal. Uh -huh. But so coos deer and buffalo. Yeah, coos deer and bison. That's what she needs. Dang. To and we're gonna hunt archery. Uh, Jay Scott's got some friends, and Jay's been great. He got a he mm -hmm. has an elk tag, which I need to give to you by the way. So Jay Scott's mom put in with Carol. Um, they both drew early rifle bull tags on an 18B on the RO Ranch with um, Vaquero Outfitters and Corey Pritchard. And so Jennifer and Carol will be able to hunt. And so Jay's mom, I, I got point guard for her when I put him in. So, right. so she'll. I need to give you her tags. So you can sign it over. But um, they've got that awesome hunt. I mean, right. what a phenomenal year it's going to be for elk. Um, mm -hmm. And then, but if she probably would get a pretty good chance depending on the rains at a coos deer with uh, a bow and then might only need the bison tag yeah. well but then in november can you come down and hunt with us with the kids on that on that hunt or will you guys be hunting somewhere else in colorado no in, no in arizona oh. for coos deer this year being her last year i don't care if her dad you know can make it to the hunt or not she's right. going with us yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we're just pulling rank right, but cool. yeah to technically she won't be she'll be over 18 as long as they transfer the permit before prior to she turns 18 we can do that so that's why i put in for the late december hunt for myself right you know that way if i draw it right i'm just going to transfer it over to her you know and uh kick her dad at the curb and right you know take her on this hunt well, thank you. We've got to get kind. you a coos deer that for, this, for sure. What's, the what's buffalo the, tag, we've got to wait. For, <laughs> just cross our fingers. Yeah. yeah. What's the date of the November thing? It's the week before Thanksgiving, the weekend before Thanksgiving. So the Thanksgiving is like on the 28th this year. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, I think I'll be here. Yeah, you're not at that wedding. Uh-uh. Or the, I don't think Go to the second wedding. It's a lot more meaningful. No, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be there that weekend. <laughs> I like that. Yes, yeah, I always tell people. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth. That's the Thanksgiving weekend, isn't it? So or, that's the week that. or the week after Thanksgiving, because you know who's coming in for that hunt? Matt Amos. <gasps> Matt. Oh, really? Steve Peoples. <gasps> oh, Steve Peoples. I love. We did a Steve. podcast. We did a with podcast with him a couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to be here for that hunt. I, I applied him for that hunt. Nevada Grassy will be here for that hunt. Oh, I 
I love it's an all star cast. Oh, let me tell you, it's going to be rocking. Uh, you know, we're going to have screw uh, school. <laughs> like, you know, the other guys coming is uh, uh, not Jason Pacheco. Yeah. Yep. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the day after Thanksgiving. So you got. Oh, no. Oh, that's the weekend where the RO. No, 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 no. It's the week after Thanksgiving. Screw the RO. Oh. <laughs> I, I, the cannot, R- I can only. Well, I you can go on that because David and Timmy have elk tags in the RO. You'll be done. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, be you have an early tag. You can't get another one anyway. So I can go. Yeah. You're not going to have. You can't hunt javelina there. No. You can't hunt deer there. I have to edit all this out because it's irrelevant. But why but. don't you just why don't you just get a nice coos deer with your bow in August and then be done with that? Well, then I can just go hang out with those guys. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> screw, screw you guys! I don't like my family anyway. We could use a camp cook. That's true. Oh, I well, I can well, I can I can bake. <laughs> there you go. She can bake. That's yeah. a start. When she's awake, she might burn down the well, camp. Well, then see, if I'm, if I'm not hunting, then I can just take a nap and then wake up and bake. We just heat and eat. It's not complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah so those are the guys that are coming in for that hunt. Okay, they already that. have tags? Or no, you won't know yet. Uh, yeah, oh, they they're going to have tags. Yeah, you probably get a pretty good number of yeah, for that one. Yeah, you know, it's like I have a lot of friends who... Might as well get Scroggins there, too. Get the whole... <laughs> you know, whole I don't plan. like him. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have enough hair on his head. <laughs> no, so, and Patrick is talking about coming. So, anyway, so... Uh, but that's that's anyway. kind of... Our goal was when I was over at the Wild Sheep Foundation, I talked to people. I said, when are you going to come out? He goes, I want to come out there and hunt. He goes, what are the chances of drawing a tag? I said, 100%. He goes, how do I do that? I heard it so hard. I said, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. So sure enough, we did it. And and, uh, I even applied him for sheep because he wanted to go for sheep. I'm like, well, if I'm applying, apply me for everything. I'm like, okay, we'll do that. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, getting all those guys' applications done and and, – the guys who don't qualify for the benevolent transfer clause. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, the, those are the guys that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Right now, everybody's scheduled to come in. We're going to get permits. You know, that's just. Awesome. You know, so. Yay. Oh, that's <coughs> awesome. It's going to be Excited. Fun. All right. Well, back to OE4, I have one kind of last question. How many kids, I know obviously kids kind of go out as they turn 18, but how many kids, like, do you have now and then have you had in a way for a kind of since 2008 if or rough numbers if you don't know well right now just to give you an idea uh applications for this year we have 62 oh wow you know for this fall hunt and uh only reason i know that because i'm about 60 <laughs> 62 hunting licenses the kids that don't have license unlike yourself mm-hmm. and oh, we wow. started applying them and the reason i applied them this year versus a lot of other years is because uh the antler growth, we may not get as many tags as we normally right. do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you got you to plan ahead on that deal. Uh, so this year we have 62, 65 kids on the program. Mm-hmm. Um, total, over all the years, we've probably had well over 500, 600 kids. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, like, you know, a couple of them. I don't know a lot of them, but they're all so much fun. I love hanging out with them. And like you said, the families are involved as well. So sometimes there'll be one kid, and then you just meet the whole family, and you get to hang out with them. Another, like I forget who's the OE4A kid. I'm yeah. just like, oh, I know them through OE4A. Yeah. But you kind of forget, like, oh, they're the sick kid. Like you just kind of know the whole family, and you have fun with them, and you hang out with them, especially at the banquets and stuff. You get to see all of them. Yeah, it is fun with the Sibs. Like uh, Kelly Miner, I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. 
her little brother, Kyle, who's been hanging out in our camp since he was like three years old. Uh, he's the one that won. He's the one that won the Melody Hunt this year. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I heard That's you guys awesome. say something about yeah. that one. So yeah, so it's, it's it's pretty cool to watch them all grow up, and uh, you know, I tell Karen it, she when we sit down and talk about OE four A, talking about you mm-hmm. know, here's another kid, here's another kid, here's another kid graduating the program. I said, you know, it reminds me of a conversation I had with Chris this year over at the shows. I'm like, how did we become the old guys? How <laughs> <laughs> did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? You know, we're the old guys. We used to not be the old guys. We're the young guys. Now we're just the old guys. That's your, That's always the goal, to become one of the old guys. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny how it sneaks up on you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these kids now, they they all do their own hunting and fishing things and stuff, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. They act like they know how to do some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah, well, you guys have any, like, do you guys have any, like, advice for kids who maybe have a disability or just kind of want to get outdoors and they just don't have the option right now or the connections to hunting people? Whew, you know, it's crazy you mentioned that because I, we were, we were talking about earlier, like your friend saying, I didn't want mm-hmm. to get into hunting. I, it is, and I, I do think it's going to be an evolution of OE4A mm-hmm. is to be able to essentially try to offer that service. Yeah. Because I've, I mean, I was doing another podcast with a CrossFit gym guy. Mm -hmm. And this guy's like your classic hipster, CrossFitter, long hair, super excited. It was like, oh, man, I can't believe you hunt. You kill your own meat. That's just so cool. I want to do that. How do I get started? And I just looked at him and I was like, dude, I don't know. I mean, mean, how how do you get somebody started that that has never hunted? I feel like it's got to go hunting. A lot of it is just coyote hunting. Like yeah, let's, small game. Yeah, try to get you know people, uh, you know, into small game. But yeah, and if it, they want the food, squirrels or rabbits or stuff right. like that, to get the flavor of the outdoor, and I mean, literally bring home some flavors and stuff too. And I think that you kind of touched on that more and more. People are concerned about their fitness and you know good um, meat that 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 no has no antibiotics and it's right. non-GMO and all that stuff, which is more popular now. No better place than to get it than to get it yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's the only way it's guaranteed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guarantee you a coos deer doesn't have any steroids in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guaranteed. But there are more and more people you're running into at the gyms and fitness mm-hmm. that are like, yeah, I want some of that meat. How do I get it? I know. And it's as a hunting community, I think we've got to have a, we've, we've got to come up with an intelligent answer to that question. Yeah. How do I get started? I mean, I well, need to be able to look at somebody and say, here's exactly how you I do Because I feel it. like we could get a lot more hunters out right. there. It's just, I feel like it's hard to get in there. It's hard to, like, if you're just starting like my friends, they don't know how to get into it, you know? <coughs> and a lot of it, um, like their parents don't do it. They don't know how to like apply for tags. They don't know how to do that stuff. Um, so my brothers can, and sometimes like, and I can, we can just take them out there with us. Um, but it's sometimes it's just hard to do that. And mm-hmm. it's hard to, especially for them to go out on their own. They don't have people that will go out there with them. Right. So it makes it challenging for them I mean, to almost, start up. You almost need a mentoring right, a relationship, mentoring you know, yeah. and it's, Sometimes it sounds like, like a like good article though, for your magazine. I know, I know. It's something that's been bugging me for a while. Um, mm, there, that there's no we we've talked about it. The guys about literally make putting a book together, how to start hunting, you know, and mm-hmm. just and start creating the the platform because I do think there's a there's so many people right now that want to, and you know, as, as sportsmen, we need to we need to continue to recruit, even though at times we feel like especially those of us that are applying for Western tags across, you know, tags across the West. Mm-hmm. The last thing we feel like we need, we want is more competition for tags, Yeah. but we have to. It's the other the side of the coin gonna, is if you don't, you have more people that are against you. There are more people going to vote against you. Yeah. yeah. 
And small game is the key, I think. I mean, I think it's somehow it's been lost on on hunters, especially, you know, and, and I us doggone hunting magazines like Western Hunter Magazine don't help because <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody wants to go kill the big buck, the de- big deer, the big sheep, and, yeah. and the big bull. Meanwhile, there's triggering rabbits and squirrels mm-hmm. and, and turkey hunting and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. And for new hunters, that's a rush. Oh, it is. We it's were huge. talking to um, our friend Aiden Miller, um, Mike Miller's son. Uh, David is friends Allegedly. with him. Yeah, <laughs> David's <laughs> friends with him, mind. and uh, it's kind of funny. David met uh, Aiden and Cole, their twins, like at like some like high, through high school friends, and then I was hunting with like Mike Miller, and like, oh hey, by the way, like, our sons know each other, but it wasn't because uh, we knew his dad. Mm. Um, but he was over here yesterday, and we were talking. Like he brought one of his friends from college out um, coyote hunting, kind of like he lives like really far up north, uh, like North Scottsdale, so that he kind of like took him out and went coyote hunting over there, and the coyote came in and he just started shaking and he put like the gun up and he just shot right away and he then there was a fox and he like barely put the gun up and shot right away because he got so nervous but he just got the rush and one of my friends went out with david and a coyote came in and he missed but he you just like you get the rush and they don't know the difference between like an elk coming and bugling or a coyote running into a call and so it just it gets them started and then that's when you get like the addicted to it and you're just like i need that rush and you just it's such like a great feeling. And so even someone who just wants to start hunting, they just, they don't care. They just mm-hmm. want to get out there and just start doing it. And whether it's squirrels, rabbits, coyotes, like Whale, whatever, dove, dove yeah. whatever, they go out yeah. and they want to just have the experience of hunting. And so it's, I think it's helpful to have the people who don't care about the big trophies to be able, it's easier to get them out there to go hunting right. if they don't just want to get that big elk or deer or whatever. I agree. True. Good, Good yep. point. So Eddie's got a new mission for OE4A. <laughs> it's up to him to pull, <laughs> put this one together. Go out and shoot coyotes. <laughs> it's already been Start spinning in there a long time ago. <laughs> Just so why don't you guys tell us, um, as we're about to wrap it up, how the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to donate a tag, if they have more questions, you know, your website, your social media stuff. I'll put or, everything in the show notes as well, but you can just kind of explain it right now. Well, the best way to get a hold of us is either through uh, Facebook or you know, go to our website or even call me directly on my cell phone. Um, should I share that number with you now? You if, you want, if you yeah, want. Sure. I'll put it in the show notes it, as well. It's 480-529-8340. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is... It's also uh, 1-900-VATO. VATO. Orale. That's with a V. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, you know, so that way, if people have questions on how the benevolent transfer clause works or the point guard, uh, how that works, the trans- all that stuff, they can just call me. Same thing with the champ permit, the crossbow permit. Um, and even if our military personnel, there's, a, there's something that a lot of people don't know. I'm going to share this. If you're in the military and you get orders to go do something and you do a tag, you can get your bonus points back. There's a special process for those who serve our country to get the bonus points back, and I have that process Even as well. without point guard? Even without point guard. Okay. It's been, it's been in there for years, years, years. Hmm. But no one ever brings it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, but yeah, they can contact us directly. Uh, our website's with oe4a.org. oe4a.org. The, the number four. OE yeah. Number four. We keep saying oe4a and outdoor experience for all. Right. The four is an actual number, number four. four. Yeah. Cuatro. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you Spanish speakers out there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, but they can, you know, reach out to us any way you want to. My phone is always on and never, never shuts off. Mm-hmm. And at any time of day, any time of night, I'm pretty much up. And you know, if I'm not, it's 
because my wife told me to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but you can reach us at, at any, any point. Any questions they might mm -hmm. have at all. It doesn't matter whether you choose to donate it to us or another organization. Um, my goal, anyways, for Outdoor Experience for All to be the, the organization that you call when you have questions. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and if you have, uh, you know, friends, relatives, people you know, kids that, that might qualify for the program or a wounded warrior, please encourage them to get a hold of us. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, I know, especially the wounded warrior community is there's a there's a lot of guys in Arizona that uh, mm -hmm. that we we have not we can't reach, so yeah. we need we need people to help us reach those guys, and yeah. and the other thing is that we, a lot of times we'll take kids on the hunts, but that's not mandatory. If you're a family or if you're a wounded warrior and you you already love to hunt, and you're like hey dude I already I got myself taken care of that's fine we'll help you get the tags you need to mm -hmm. to go hunting so yeah. that's a good point whatever the family needs we're there to do in fact our goal is to get to the point where. Like in medical school, you'll see one, do one, teach one thing. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. kind of the idea for us is to be able to, you know, that we go help them, then they do one on their own, and then they pass that that, that, mm -hmm. that along. So that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. So. Yeah, I forgot about that. Chris said that once we transfer, the tag is no longer our hunt. Mm -hmm. It belongs to them, and it's up to them to tell us how we can help. Because mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, you know, especially with a wounded warrior, they may or may not want us there. Right. Yeah. I don't and, blame them. And I don't, you know, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> yeah. Cause then it gives us the opportunity to, to provide our services somewhere else where there's actually <clears throat> someone that doesn't know how to hunt. Then right. we can be with them. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie, why don't you thank the people in, in the organization? You know, there's so many different people out there. Um, it's better that just try to thank everybody as a whole. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. we have, we have so many different people helping us in so different, so many different aspects. Uh, mm -hmm. From uh, donors to volunteers to sponsors, yeah. it is uh, we can't do it alone. I always tell them we cannot do this alone. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just an extension of you know their goodwill, um, and I, I, outdoor experience for all cannot function without them. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I always thank them for allowing me to be the guy who gets sometimes or most of the time the glory of what we do. But it's it's not about me; it's about them. Mm -hmm. It's about what we can accomplish. Uh, as a team, um, and it's, and I'd rather stay in the shadows, mm. you know, and let Chris be in the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, tell us so you have obviously Western Hunter uh, TV, Western Hunter Magazine, Western, Western Hunter TV. What's your podcast? Uh, the Western Hunter. You know, I'm, I'm sensing a pattern. <laughs> There's a bit of a pattern here. Yeah. He also works cool. for Wilderness Athlete. Yeah. We did a with, podcast with them. Yeah. Wilderness Athlete. Uh, obviously, and my son's a manager at the Outdoorsman. So a lot of stuff going on. New episodes of Western Hunter TV show starts July 1st. So awesome. Keep your eyes open. It's going to be a good sure. season. That's how, what season number is this? Season Eight? seven. Whoa. Seven. Season seven. Awesome. Seems like we started yesterday. We're going to start filming season eight here in about four weeks. Huh? Crazy. That's great. Right. Yeah. Great show. We love it. Magazine's awesome. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yep. Yes. American. Well, thank you guys for coming on here. And also, most of all, thank you for everything you guys have done for me and everyone that we've talked about, like through OA4A and Wounded Warriors and everything like that. Um, on behalf of them, it means so much to us. And like I said, it impacts us so much more than you can see. And obviously, like when we go home, it impacts us so much. So thank you all for everything that you guys do and for creating this foundation because it has such had such a great impact on me and I know the other kids that are in that and the wounded warriors and things like that. So thank you all for everything. It is 
great that you guys did that. Awesome. Thank so you. Thankful. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. And for dealing with my dad. I know he's... Hey, I resemble uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> who's your dad? <laughs> so, supposedly. All of a sudden, you only had one sound off there with Eddie's walkout I know, music. I know. I didn't even throw in all the... We were, we were just being too nice and sentimental, you know? Yeah. Eventually, we'll get some roast ones in there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll but, add them in. Jen, you do your clothes? Yes. Um, well, thank you guys for taking us on your journey and the OA4A journey because, you know, life is short and so am I. And I'm just trying to make the most out of every day, and I hope that you guys do too. I hope you all have a great journey and you make it an epic one. And Eddie's walkaway song. <laughs> if you could turn the computer on. Sorry. Right. Right. Walk off song. <laughs> all my friends. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Jennifer, you would have made a good chola. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.